0: Our text for this morning is John chapter 6, verses 35 through 40. John six thirty-five through 40. This is the word of Almighty God. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. God, I pray now that you will add your blessing to our study of your word. Teach us, just as we prayed in our song, teach us obedience, reverence, humility. Teach us so that we might trust you and be comforted by you and praise you. Teach us that we might give thanks for the gospel and for our new status in Christ. God, be glorified today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, it's been an interesting couple of days in the life and ministry of Jesus. Yesterday, as John showed us, Jesus traveled with his disciples to a relatively secluded place, but the crowd saw where Jesus was headed. They followed him there, and Jesus, full of compassion, taught the crowd. He healed their sick, even feeding an entire mob of thousands using only one young man's lunch. And that evening, Jesus sent the disciples to the boat to go across the sea. Jesus, he took some time alone to pray. Then he walked across the sea, joining the disciples in the boat most of the way across and got them safely to Capernaum. Now, this morning, as our text continues, the crowd, well, they've realized Jesus was not with them on their side of the sea anymore. So they cross over to find Jesus at Capernaum. And Christ pointed out to the people that they were seeking Him, not because of the significance of His miraculous signs, but because they wanted Him to give them more free food. The crowd responded with a request for just one more sign, maybe free food, to convince them that, oh, he really is the one who gives eternal life. And then Jesus said something profound to the crowd. They were assuming that something like the manna from the wilderness in the book of Exodus is what Jesus was offering them. Jesus tells them that the manna, though, yeah, it was bread from heaven was never the true bread from heaven. No, the manna from heaven was a type, a sign, a foreshadowing of the true bread that comes down from heaven. Jesus showed the crowd that the true bread from heaven that gives people life, it's not a physical substance. It's not a ball of baked dough. It's a person. And the crowd missed it. They wanted physical food to give them physical life. Jesus said that he is the spiritual food that gives spiritual life, life that lasts forever. And we know that the crowd missed the point. They couldn't see what Jesus was saying to them. They wanted him to give and give and continue giving them physical bread. But Jesus has something greater to give. So today, we're going to uncover two significant points. And I believe these will give you hope as you see Jesus as the bread of life who fulfills God's eternal plan. So here's the first of your two points if you're writing them down. Now this one may be a surprise in the book of John. You ready? Believe in Jesus for life believe in Jesus for life. John 6:35 reads, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. 7 times in the gospel according to John, Jesus makes a statement that sounds like this, I am something. 7 times Jesus uses a metaphor beginning with the phrase I am that'll help us to see him as our only hope for salvation. What are the seven I am statements? Or if you want to be more precise, the seven I am statements with a predicate in John. Jesus says, I am the bread of life here in 635. I am the light of the world in 812. I am the door in 107. I am the Good Shepherd in 10:11. I am the resurrection and the life, 11:25. I am the way, the truth and the life, 14:6, and I am the true vine, 15:1. How many of you desperately wish you could have written those down? I'm not reading them again, but I will put them on the Facebook page sometime later, or you can email me. There are other places Jesus uses the words "I am. And sometimes he uses them by themselves so that he can tie himself to the person of God. The I am who I am of Exodus chapter 3 verse 14. But right here in the other six I am sayings that I just shared with you, Jesus is helping you to get to know Jesus better by comparing himself to something else. The crowd wants bread. They want physical bread that will never run out. They want They want free groceries for life is what they're after. Jesus said, you guys need spiritual bread from heaven that'll give you eternal life. And now Jesus tells them in no uncertain terms, I am the bread of life. If you want the thing you need to live forever, you must have Jesus. Now, How do I know this is a metaphor and Jesus isn't really calling himself physical bread? Well, notice what Jesus says about himself. The one who comes to him will not hunger. The one who believes in him will not thirst. There's no mention here of actual eating. Um, This is a metaphor. Bread does not satisfy thirst. Quite the contrary for some, right? Jesus is using a figure of speech to say to us, he is the only source of eternal life-giving nourishment. So how do you get it? How do you receive the bread of life if it's not something you chew? It's not through a ceremony. It's not through you touching or taking in any particular element. The two parallel statements here say, Come to Jesus, believe in Jesus, and you will have life in Jesus. Now, I've been telling you all for a while now that almost any sermon in the gospel according to John can have an application point that calls you to believe in Jesus. That should make sense to you because John himself says to us, he wrote this gospel so that you might believe. In John 20, verses 30 and 31, John says, Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. All through this book so far, belief in Jesus has been central. How central, you ask? Let me read to you some verses that we've already covered in our study. John 1, verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, hear it there? He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Or John 3, starting at verse 14 through 18 And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, whoever believes in him is not condemned, But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Or John 3.36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Or John 5.14. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come out into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Or John five thirty seven and 38. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard, his form you've never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. Or John six twenty nine. Jesus answered them, "This is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He has sent." Do y'all see why I keep telling you, believe in Jesus is a point in this book? It is central to the text. You want to have the forgiveness of God? You want to turn a life? You want heaven? You can't get it by doing good stuff. You can't get heaven by being a good person. You can't get heaven by being religious or more religious than the person next door. You can't get heaven by your own personal effort. The only way for you to have life with God is for you to come to Jesus in faith, believing in Jesus for life. Now, here's a question And I would have asked this question years ago. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? I remember a time as a child where someone asked me, was I saved? And I said, no, I don't think so. I don't know what that means. And they said, well, you're probably not. And then they didn't fill me in on what needed to happen. If you want to believe in Jesus for life, you need to know what it means. So first... Note takers, you can make sub points if you want to. Believe the facts. Believe the facts. Jesus is the Son of God. God the Son. Jesus came to earth and He perfectly fulfilled every command God ever gave. Jesus died on a cross as a sacrifice that He might pay the price for the sins of those He would forgive. And then Jesus rose from the grave on the third day and proved that his work was really complete, really acceptable, and that everyone who believes in him will have life with him forever. Those are the facts. You need to accept them as true. But we should also understand that belief in Jesus goes further. Jesus says coming to him is like believing in him. John chapter 3, verse 36, the Word says that obeying is the result of believing in Jesus. Back in John 2, 23 to 25, Jesus was clear that He would not entrust Himself to people who only believed that He was powerful because true belief in Jesus includes that you will entrust yourself and your soul to Jesus. True belief in Jesus is a willingness to turn away from sin that you might follow Jesus. Imagine I said to you, the building that we're in is unstable and it will collapse in 10 minutes. What happens if you believe? If you believe, you accept the truthfulness of my claim. And if you believe, what else do you do? you move to get out, don't you? I believe you all sit right here. Unless you want to be squashed, that's not what you do. What happens if you believe in Jesus? You accept the facts of who He is and what He's done. And if you believe, you come to Him asking for forgiveness. You ask Him, Jesus, have mercy on me. If you believe... You understand that Jesus is good and that following Jesus is good for your soul. If you believe, you turn away from sin, you turn away from self-reliance and you fully entrust your soul to his care. And if you believe, if you really believe, then you're saved. Do not Don't be confused. And and when I say this about what is true belief and not true belief, I'm not trying to make you afraid. Oh, is my belief good enough? That's not what I'm after. Listen, what I'm telling you is not about whether you feel an emotion. How many of you, when you woke up this morning, just felt overwhelming joy as the day began? Tell me truthfully. How many of you just popped out of bed singing? I'm not hearing a lot of takers. So apparently how you feel is not solid evidence of how you believe, is it? It's not about that you feel something deeply. It's not about stirring up an emotion. Believing in Jesus is about running to Jesus in faith. It's about knowing that you can't stir up enough emotion or work up enough good deeds to make God think you're better than you are. It's about accepting the free gift of salvation by God's grace through faith. And that forgiveness is for anyone who will believe. Now, sadly, many people don't believe. John chapter 6, verse 36, Jesus said, But I said to you, You've seen me, and yet do not believe. So just after telling the crowd, belief in Him is working the works of God, just after saying that believing in Him leads to eternal life, Jesus looks out at the crowd and says to them, and I know y'all don't believe. I can say y'all because the you there in the Greek is plural. That's y'all. They've seen Jesus' power. They've seen his miracles, but all that has led him to want is the stuff Jesus can give. He knows they don't trust him, and he knows they don't want him. Again, let's, let's have a little illustrating moment. Here in Las Vegas, there are always concerts and shows to attend, right? Any of y'all ever go to a show here? Concert? Movie? Movie? Any of y'all such homebodies, you've never gone to anything in your life? (laughs) I want you to imagine that there's a show coming up you really want to see. And before the show starts, you got your ticket. What do you do with your ticket before the show has happened? You're very, very careful with it, aren't you? You treasure that ticket. You you put it in a safe place place you make sure you don't lose it when you get in the car to go to the show you check five times whether you actually have the tickets right and when the show comes you take that ticket out and you show it to the person if you're not scanning it on a phone like they do these days but you take that ticket out you show the person and that ticket gets you in now what do you do with the ticket next now Perhaps some of you people are the kind of weirdos that put it in a scrapbook as a memento of the show. Any, any, any ticket keepers? A yep. couple of you are, weirdos. All right, that's okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. That's it, fine. What do most people do with their ticket once the show's over? They throw it away. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Listen to me. Jesus will not be your ticket to heaven. Jesus is not going to be your ticket to get hold of the other blessings of God. Jesus will not have you treasure him when you want something else and then throw him away once you've got the thing you thought you wanted. To truly believe in Jesus will change you in such a way that you begin to treasure jesus jesus won't be the ticket he's the star of the show if you can imagine a day in which you walk up to the door of the arena and the star you came to see walks you in and sits you in the front row that's a better picture of jesus than a ticket jesus will not grant you an unimportant reward he is the reward So take a warning here from what Jesus has said to the crowd. They thought they could use Jesus to get some sort of magic bread that would never run out. Jesus tells them, I am the bread of life. If you want life, you want Jesus. If you want heaven, you want Jesus. If you want joy, you want Jesus. And if you don't want Jesus, you don't want God. And if you don't want Jesus, you don't want true life, true joy, or true peace. So what's the call? What's God's word calling you to do? Believe in Jesus. Believe that he's Savior even more. Believe that he's good. Believe that He's your treasure, that He's your joy. Believe that for you to know Jesus is for you to get genuine, soul-satisfying, soul-refreshing, soul-calming joy, even if life is chaos. Y'all remember the first major catechism question? I I bet I've got kids in this room who've done catechisms. So if I asked any youngish person, and y'all know who that's not, if I ask any young person, what is the chief end of man? Can anybody answer that? To glorify, God and enjoy forever. to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The main purpose for human beings is to glorify God and that in that act, enjoy God forever, which means that there's a reason God made you. God created you for the purpose of glorifying him. God made you that you would be able to do things and think things that would display the glory of God. And God has shaped you, whether you realize it or not, God has shaped you so that when we really glorify God, when we genuinely see God honored, we get genuine life-changing, soul-changing joy. Perhaps you're a Christian and you're hearing me and for you, joy is presently hard to come by. I do sympathize. Let me tell you, hold on. Wouldn't you other Christians who have some joy agree with that? For those who are having trouble with joy right now, hold on. Hold on and run to Jesus. Hold on and believe. Take one step. Maybe it's a baby step, but take a step toward doing something that would honor Jesus or thinking something that will honor Jesus or believing something that will honor Jesus. Follow Jesus. Obey the word of God. Do something he's commanded. Ask him to help you to see him glorified. Ask him to give you joy in his glory. Ask him to help you see the truth to see the real purpose for your life. If you're having a hard time, grab another Christian gently and and, and talk to them and say, would you please pray for me? Ask someone if they would come alongside you and help you to see the glory of God. Ask them to help you take a next step of obedience toward God to give your life joy. Believe and follow for joy. Are you living in the joy of Christ? How many of you would say, "I am"? I really believe I've got joy of Jesus in my life right now. Yes. Seven or eight of you, good. Most <laughs> of y'all, a bunch of pagans. Uh, no, listen. If you have the joy of the Lord, starting up, smoldering, burning, glowing, whatever it is in your heart, listen to me. Help other people around you, even in the church, see the beauty. And the greatness of Jesus help the hurting people around you find salve for their souls help the other people around you to remember the promises of God help them to follow the Word of God encourage people to believe in such a way that it, it will lead you to them to join you in glorifying God How do we do it? How do we obey? You know, right here this morning, you can obey God. Isn't that cool? How? Well, what kind of things have we already done this day that one would use to glorify God? What have we done? Singing. You can sing the true praises of God, and God is glorified regardless of the quality of your singing voice. You can glorify God as you pray. You can glorify God as you you work on your heart to tell your heart, listen to me, heart, I want you to believe and amen the truth of God. You glorify Jesus later this morning in Lord's Supper, right? When you hold the bread, when you hold the cup, you glorify God when you remember Jesus, when you magnify Jesus in your heart. You eat and drink those elements so as to say, I know that Jesus is the true nourisher of my soul. And when you stand up to leave this room today, show the love of Jesus to other people around you. That glorifies Jesus. It brings joy to the soul of the believer. And guess what? You can glorify Jesus not on Sunday morning. Isn't that cool? Did you know? What do you do? Well, you glorify Jesus when you chase after Jesus in the Word of God every day. Every day you open the Word of God to see more of Jesus. You give Him glory. You tell other people about Jesus so that that you can have the joy of spreading His glory. Did you know that if you share the gospel, it gives you joy? Talk to fellow Christians about Jesus so you can find life in hearing what each other has learned in the Word of God. You really should be opening the Bible with other Christians on days other than Sunday. It, it's really better for your soul if you do it. The men that come to my house on Thursdays and we try to figure out the book of Isaiah together, we get joy. And, and, and it's, it's great just to be there on the couch, talking life, talking Bible, talking Jesus, talking judgment, having them fix my eschatology, all that. It's good. It's good. There's joy in it. The women that get together, they're reading through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And, and then after five days, six days, seven days of reading, they get together. They say, this is what I read last week. And they all read the same chapters. And they say, what did God show you? How can I pray for you? They get joy because they glorify God together. We need to be opening the word and praying with each other and together believing in Jesus for life. Lord willing, as our church continues to grow now that we're back in place and that so many, so many obstacles are out of the way, we're going to be pushing back saying, hey guys, it's time to open your homes to each other more and more. It's time to have dinner together more and more. It's time to get involved in small discipleship groups more and more. Larger fellowship groups more and more. Getting here on Sunday mornings for growth class to be taught more and more. That's what we're going to do together. And it will give you joy as you glorify God in those things. Now, we know we're called to believe, right? Anybody got questions about whether believing Jesus should be a sermon point? You with me on that, right? Okay. But Jesus is talking to a crowd that Jesus has just told us doesn't believe. Should we then assume that Jesus is somehow failing to accomplish his mission? What do you all think? Is Jesus trying really hard but just not making it? No, not at all. In fact, in the next thing Jesus says, He shows us He is perfectly fulfilling the forever plan of God. Point number two, rejoice in the eternal plan of God. Rejoice in the eternal plan of God. Look at John six thirty-seven. This is a massive verse. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Several times in our study of this gospel, we have marveled at the united relationship and action of God the Father, God the Son, right? You know how many gods are there? One God. How many persons are there revealed in God? Three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So there, God the Father is God. God the Son is God. God the Holy Spirit is God. And there is one God. This is truth. This is doctrine. This is hard for our brains. One of the things that John has been very careful to show us all along is that the Son did not come to do, he says, my own will. Instead, the Son says that he came to do the united will of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. In truth, God cannot be divided in will. I know we can confuse ourselves with that a little bit because, again, even we talk about Jesus saying to the Father, Yet not what I will, but what you will, as if they're separate and arguing wills. That's not what was happening there. The humanity of Jesus in the garden is looking at the cross to come and saying, This looks no fun. If there's another way, let's do it. But there was never a division in which God the Son was looking at God the Father and saying, I don't want to do what we said. That never happened. There cannot be a situation in which the Son tries to do a thing that the Father opposes. There cannot be a situation where the Spirit tries to do a thing that the Son blocks. In the unity of the persons of the Trinity, God is accomplishing a plan. There is, there has eternally been only one plan of God. The plan of the Father is the plan of the Son is the plan of the Spirit. And that eternal plan of God will be perfectly accomplished. Would you agree with that? Amen. Verses 37 through 40, this section we're in here, Jesus talks about the plan and purpose of God. And it is marvelous to see, guys. Jesus gives us insight here into the workings of God before God ever created anything. And this will make you glorify God. It'll make you rejoice in God's plan. It'll give you comfort in Christ. In verse 37, Jesus says, well, you look with your own eyes at verse 37. Who is going to come to Jesus according to the beginning of verse 37? One of you got it. All the Father gives me will come to me now i want you to know a little grammar here linguistically the way that the the singular and plurals are being used here all there is a singular unit called all a singular all the father gives to jesus the language is right when it says all the father gives me will come to me if it had been all that the father give me That would mean a bunch of separate things that are all, but this is one all. What is all? All is all who are the people of God. I didn't even realize it until we sang it this morning, but we sang this. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. That's the all. And we see that the all is given, given, like a gift from the father to the son and because this gift called all is given as a gift from the father to the son this all will come to Jesus We saw earlier, Jesus is the bread of life. Coming to Jesus, the bread of life, gives you eternal life. So the all that the Father has given to the Son will, without exception, all the all will come to the Son in faith for salvation. And then Jesus promises that all who come to Him for salvation, He will certainly not cast out. That's a negative sentence saying an emphatically positive thing. All who come to Jesus, Jesus will keep. Jesus will not lose or let go of any of the all the Father gives him. Now stop here and just let your mind imagine this scene before creation. Before God shaped the earth. Before God scattered the stars into space. Before God set the planets spinning God had a plan. As one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, made a decision. God wanted to display the glory of God. And God intended to display the glory of God by creating the universe and by creating mankind in the image of God. God knew that mankind, in total freedom, would rebel against Him and earn His wrath. And God determined before he ever created that he would display his glory by giving justice to those who oppose him and by rescuing some out of those headed for his wrath to be a people for himself. The people that God the Father would give as a gift to God the Son, that's the all. So again... God the Father gives the people to the Son as a gift. God the Son comes to earth to physically live out the perfection required for anybody to be acceptable and then to die to purchase the salvation of this people. And God the Spirit gives life to all who come to the Son in faith. And God the Spirit indwells all the all who are saved. The the agreement between the persons of the Trinity... Theologically is often called the covenant of redemption. You ever heard that term before? It's a covenant between the persons of the Trinity. Other theologians who want to be Latin they call it the Pactum Salutis. It's a covenant made inside the Trinity to accomplish a singular will of God. God the Father elects a people from the lost human race that he will give to the Son as his. The Son comes to earth to die to purchase the redemption of the people the Father gave him. The Spirit convicts those people of sin, convinces them to believe, fills them once they're saved, and the Son says, I will lose none of them, not one. Jesus just said, all the Father gives him, every last one of that all will come. And all who come, believing in him, he will forever keep. He will never, no, not ever cast them out. Look at 38 and 39. For I have come down from heaven... Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. So when Jesus says he came down from heaven, by the way, how big a statement is that? Do you see the gigantic nature of that claim from Jesus? Jesus is not merely an ordinary son of Adam. Yes, Jesus is truly man, but Jesus is not only man. Jesus is God, the son who chose to take on flesh. Jesus is God who came to earth. And Jesus came to accomplish the plan of God, the united plan of the father, of the son, of the spirit. And this is why Jesus said, I came not to do my own will. Jesus is not saying that he is somehow not Connected with the Father, right? It's like, oh, there's my will and the Father's will, and I'm picking the Father's will, not my will. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying that this is the will, the plan that he and the Father have shared from before there was ever time. What's the will of the Father? Well, we've already been talking about it, haven't we? Jesus came to rescue and not lose any of what the Father has given him you get the past tense there when did the father give the people to the son before he ever created the universe jesus will lose none that the father has given him instead jesus will redeem all the father has given him and he will raise the redeemed up on the last day thus in the future All of those the Father gave to the Son in eternity past, as a gift before the dawn of time, all of them will be rescued by Jesus, raised to eternal life by Jesus, the bread of life. Look at verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him Should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day so here you tie it together for the sake of absolute clarity what's the will of God the Father the will of God the Father is that all he has given the Son will come to the Son what does that mean it means those people look to the Son and they believe in the Son they will come to the Son in faith and Jesus will give them the gift of eternal life and all that have been given the gift of eternal life by Jesus even if their bodies die in the here and now they will live live eternally because Jesus will bring them up out of their graves to live with Him forever in brand new, glorified, holy, never breaking down, never failing, never sinning resurrection bodies. What do you do with that picture painted by your Savior? I'll give you five things as we close. Because, hey, who doesn't need five more points? (laughs) First, what do you do with this? Understand it. Understand that an agreement has eternally existed between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the one true God, to rescue a people for God, thereby to demonstrate the mercy and the justice of God. And realize that nothing we're dealing with in this is the product of chance. This is God. This is our God doing God's holy will. Let that lead you to honor God for accomplishing God's glorious plan. Know that God will accomplish it without any flaw, without any fail. There's not one part of that all. The Father gave the Son before creation that's not coming. Second. Second. Believe. Believe. Regardless of all that stuff I just told you about the secret workings of God from eternity past, this text is clear that it is the responsibility of anyone who wishes to be forgiven to come to Jesus There's nothing in the Word of God in any place that ever indicates that any person would want to be saved by God, but would not be saved by God because of the agreement between the Father and the Son. All who come to Jesus in faith and repentance will be saved. No exceptions. So don't let yourself wonder, well, what if I'm not part of the elect? You've ever wondered that, by the way, what if if it's not me? What if I'm not in the elect? Listen, don't wonder that. Here's what you do. Obey the command of God to repent and to believe in Jesus. And in doing that, here's what you're going to find out. You're going to find that you're saved, and then you'll know you're part of the elect that the Father gave to the Son in eternity past. Third, tell. Tell. Tell the world around you what Jesus just said. Tell them that if they will turn from sin and trust in Jesus, they will be saved. Tell them there's no other way to be made right with God than through Jesus. Invite them to come to Jesus and receive salvation as a gift by grace through faith alone. And as you tell, do it with confidence. Y'all, the spreading of the gospel is like the sweeping of a net over the globe. You're telling the world about Jesus so that those who were given from the Father to the Son would hear, believe, and come. So you can know that the sharing of the gospel, it's not going to fail because the gift has already been agreed upon. Your job isn't to change the hearts of men and women. Your job is to tell the truth. Tell the truth and watch the hand of God at work. Fourth, take comfort. Take comfort. Have you believed? Do you believe? Are you saved? Know that God will not lose you. Aren't you glad about that? How many of you think if it was up to you, you'd keep yourself in grace? (laughs) How many of you wives think your husbands would keep themselves in grace? Most of you wives know your husbands can't dress themselves without you. My wife dresses me and I'm very happy about it. God's never going to lose you, folks. All who come to Jesus come, why? Because they were given as a gift from the Father to the Son before eternity began. That means that all who come to Jesus are those whose names were written in the book of life before they were ever born. And God will lose none of those He sent His Son to save. If you trust Jesus, you're saved and your salvation is absolutely secure. Fifth, last one. Give God the glory. If you're saved, you can't read this passage and think to yourself, man, I was saved by my own power and my own goodness. If you're saved... You're not saved because you're smarter than the person sitting next to you, though you probably are. You're not saved because you're better than the person sitting next to you. You're probably not. If you're saved, you're saved because of God's love and God's grace. And as you understand that truth, give God praise. Thank Him for saving you when you could never save yourself. Thank Him for choosing you when you find nothing in yourself worth choosing. Commit your very life to His honor, knowing that this is the way for you to find joy that will fill your soul forever. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the outworking of the eternal plan of God. And Jesus lets you and me be a part of what He's doing. We worship Him. We find joy in Him. We obey him and we take his message to a lost world desperately in need of his grace. Will you pray with me, friends? Lord, your word is so good. And here as we even begin to try to understand the mystery of the eternal covenant that you made among yourself, even the wording for this, gets beyond our heads but what we know is that you are good your will is going to be done and it will be done perfectly i pray for anyone who is struggling with the doctrine that they will remember the first call believe i pray for anyone who does not know you that they will right now where they sit cry out to jesus Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need your mercy. Please, Lord Jesus, forgive me and save me and make me your child. Because I know he will. I pray for all who have been saved, all who are redeemed sinners this day, that we won't let our struggles and our failings make us doubt the truth and the perfection of your plan. Because the fact is, those you save, you keep. And we are grateful for that. And move in our midst, even as we finish up our time here today and as we continue in worship. I pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen.